0: Welcome back, everybody, to the new sports order, Tom Corbett. He's Sterling Pingree, and we are days away from finding out who is going to be in the Super Bowl, and we know that it's not going to be the Dallas Cowboys this
1: year. I like that you said this year. Like, the real definitive statement was this year. Because the Dallas Cowboys are kind of becoming the Brooklyn Dodgers in that they're always gonna win it next year. Though not from the uh memes that I've been reading this week amongst the uh Dallas Cowboys fan base. There is there's some self loathing going on there. And and the Cowboys put out some of it. Did you see the tweet, Tom?
0: Yeah. Shots fired. <laughs> in the house. Shots fired in the house. Uh Maybe they thought the gun wasn't loaded.
1: Well, what was it? The, uh, the the little cowboy there that was firing? Does does he have loaded six shooters? Because he uh, was aiming at old number four there. Yep. <laughs> they we don't, don't know have to relive this totally, but we 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 do need. I, I think the listeners uh, are owed a bit of. Closure, if you will, sure. for lack of a better term.
0: It was. Uh, it was a good game, for the most part. Solid. Some missed opportunities. Yep. Uh, so really, it, the big thing comes down to those two pretty big interceptions. One that gave the 49ers the ball right outside the red zone. And the other that gave the ball away as the Cowboys were approaching the red zone. Which they hadn't done a lot of. Yeah, go heading right towards halftime. Uh, Those were two pretty big swings. I mean, even if Niners only got three points, I think, out of that first interception. But I think the halftime one was huge. And I thought, I guess I messed it up, but I thought the Cowboys were getting the ball back to start the second half. So I'm like, we could go down, score, take a little bit of a quote-unquote comfortable lead based on how much people were scoring, then get the ball back to start the second half and try to build. Then interception, Niners had the football to start the second half because I had messed it up. We get... A strip on the kickoff to start the second half. Like, yeah. Here we go. Only get a field goal. Hey, Maher made his field goals minus the freaking extra point.
1: <laughs> which, which, which... which, Let's just talk about that for one second. Because I, I blocked, thought Burkhard- but it was
0: going wide left.
1: Well, and, and Kevin Burkhardt and Greg Olson pointed that out, and then pointed that out and then pointed that out. Yeah. And then pointed that out. Because, I get it. it's a story, and how often is a kicker that front and center as the story of a football team, especially as high profiles the Dallas Cowboys, which, you know, no one can name the the kickers on those 90s Cowboys teams. I mean, yeah. Eddie Murray was one. I mean, they had, like, three different kickers yeah. for three different Super Bowls. Um, so you don't really... It's usually inconsequential, unless it's out of editary. But, man, Ke- Kevin Burkhart... Every time they mentioned the blocked extra point, just kept going and it was going to miss. And it was good, it might have been his worst miss. He just kept harping on it,
0: yeah.
1: But I, I want to ask you this, Tom, uh, about Brett Maher, and it-, it had to play into the strategy of the Dallas Cowboys offensively, I think because I mean, they went for, you know, like a fourth and four in a situation where it would have been a longer field goal, so it, it and sort they of fit. picked it up. That was that was sure. the one
0: right before half. Yeah. Because they went back to it and say, oh, see, it's playing into it. They went for it there instead of taking the points. I'm like, well, you can't really put that on them because they sure. picked up the first down, were marching, and then Dak through an interception right going into the red zone.
1: So So it had to be something that was in and I'm I'm thinking more of like the overall play calling too, and not just the exact, you know, kind of like one to one comparisons of what happened. But I I just thought in some of the play calling aspects, I'm going, you know, on a third down and three, it's like they're not taking shots, they're playing a little more conservative than they probably want to play. Uh, it even more so than they did in, in Tampa because they were in a close game. So I think you know, just kind of in the back of their mind, in the back of Kellen Moore's head, he's like, okay, we can't let this come down to a 40 plus yard field goal attempt because this guy can't make it at 35 yards. You know, one of his field goals was what 25. So maybe he can punch it through from close, but you know, we don't no, want this I guy to that, that nerdy almost, little pitch shot.
0: I would almost think that they felt better with him taking longer field goals. It was the up close thing that sometimes, like, oh, I can't hit my free. You you hit those stretches, like, God, I've missed whatever seven straight free throws. Let me just get back, and I'll hit a couple threes, and then try to go back in closer (laughs) to hit the free throws again. Let me get my rhythm at the three point line before I go back to the free throw line. But see, I look
1: at it. I look at it as more of hitting driver off the tee if I'm a little wayward with my driver, I don't need a more narrow fairway for my next one. (laughs) I need a cow pasture. I I don't need, Oh, you know, that fairway is a little too wide. He still couldn't hit it. I don't need like a, a tight little nervy par five, you know? Yeah. But they tried to say that too. They're like, well, maybe he just needs a long one to kind of get it out of his system. I was like, we don't need to raise the level of difficulty. If he's got the yips, he's got the yips. He's going to have it from any distance.
0: And I think I sent you a message when they scored that touchdown. Like, we didn't even get to see the players celebrate after the touchdown because no. they were already got a right camera him. on Maher.
1: They had a sure. guy right next to him. Yeah.
0: I'm like, oh, I wonder what they're doing to celebrate. I don't know. I'm just looking at this, not horrified, but you could tell, just angst-ridden man.
1: The the interesting thing was as soon as Dow scored that touchdown – 49er fans like weren't upset they're were all like poking their neighbor going uh oh watch 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 we're gonna see what happens do you think he's gonna make it I bet what if he missed every one of them did that like there was no booing it was not quiet like the stadium got louder after they scored not something that you see uh in San Francisco very often but it, it was yeah certainly a unique scene in that way were you what was your expectation confidence level going into this game? You know, scale of one to 10, 10 being we're about to beat the Houston Texans. Well, okay, we I mean, need to beat the Texans by a lot, but like most teams. Like, what was your confidence level going into this game? Because I want to kind of judge where you are as a Cowboys fan in terms of like I thought this you know, certain teams, uh, talking to my friend Troy all week, he's a Buffalo Bills fan. I mean he shell shot. He he thought this was the year. He he really thought that this was gonna be the year the Buffalo Bills won the Super Bowl and put it all together. Are, were you there, or no. was this kind of I thought sort of unexpected made a little run? We got beat by a good team. This is like a divisional round Cowboys team. I'd say I was a solid
0: five or six. Yeah. I liked the idea, and we saw it early in that game. I'm like, we could put pressure on Brock Purdy that he has not seen in his first six starts.
1: And you did. You, you 100% did. Yeah. You, you predicted it last week, and... I mean, Demarcus Lawrence was outstanding. Micah Parsons was pressuring him almost every play. Uh, Van Der Esch, I didn't think, was as good as he was against Tampa Bay, uh, but was still kind of all over the field. But, yeah, that that front made his life miserable. And I thought, okay, this is the recipe, and this is how – this is what it looks like when Brock Purdy loses a game yeah. for San Francisco. so I was
0: like, okay. So, yeah, I was probably somewhere around there, but I was also, you know, realistic. You can look at the entire season where – ooh, we destroy the Colts by 200 points. And and then, you know, a couple of weeks later, Sterling's texting me at halftime saying, you've already lost because this <laughs> Texans game, you're losing to the Texans at halftime.
1: Counts as a loss.
0: And Dak has been incredibly inconsistent all season. Big games, little games.
1: Medium games. I, I think the big thing is, and why it it seemed more startling, because I I think you're right. This was a team that you could see making the divisional round, but that's kind of where they are. And and when you're a, you know, I I think south of a three seed, you know, if you're a four seed, a five seed, a six seed, getting to the divisional round is sort of slotted where you should be. You know, if you look at it from a ranking standpoint, one should play two for the conference championship. If you're anything below that, you know, you're kind of a wild card or divisional team, and, and that's what they should be. The issue is that they played so well in Tampa, and they got their first road win in 30 years, and they looked so dominant putting that team out to pasture that it raised the level of expectations to, I think, unreasonable heights. And if you look at it from that standpoint, I mean, they got into a rock fight with a very good 49er team on the road and were toe-to-toe with them and just sort of, you know, didn't make the plays at the end. The offense sort of stalled.
0: Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think I was a little more realistic because I'm starting to get into a pre 2004 Red Sox mindset when it comes to the Cowboys, where mm. I expect it not to work out <laughs> in the end until yeah, the proven, about to drop at all yeah, times until proven otherwise. But I also knew that this was about as wide open as a conference is going to be. I think there is no real dominant team. And maybe that's me sliding the Eagles, but I'm not. Well, I said a week ago, I thought the giants played well. I thought they could compete and they could not So Maybe the Eagles are as good as people think they are and they can compete with
1: the Chiefs or the Bengals? Maybe. Well, and, and maybe that's what we're looking at. What we just said for Dallas is that they looked outstanding against Tampa Bay and kind of proved Tampa Bay is kind of what the team that we thought they were. And then the same for the Giants. You know, put into the proper perspective, yes, they won a playoff game the week before, they beat a team with 13 wins. But think back. You know, This was a Giants team we saw all season that had ups, downs, kind of faltered at the end of the season. To quote the the late great Dennis Green, they are who we thought they were. That may be the same for the Eagles. They looked absolutely dominant, but they dominated a team that was, uh, what's the opposite of indomitable. They were very dominable, and they were. We'll see what that looks like against the 49ers, because uh, the 49ers are always kind of here. You know, They're always at that sort of B plus A minus against everyone and play everyone the same. I mean, they haven't lost a game since early October.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> no one's good. talking
1: about the fact they haven't lost since like October thirteenth when they got shellacked by the, the by the Chiefs,
0: right? And that was Jimmy G, and they're rolling. And I think people can say what they want about the Cowboys, but I thought. It showed quite a bit that San Francisco figured out how to win that game when Dallas really did well in terms of silencing McCaffrey, Debo yep. for the most part, and they just figured out, okay, they're rushing, and they just started eating the Cowboys alive with quick slants across the middle to the tight ends. and I mean, Kittle <laughs> is awesome. <laughs> If it weren't so for good. Travis Kelsey, Kittle would get so much more pub. But, God. And you could, t- i who was it? I think it was uh, McAfee who was talking to Kittle. And he said, when you went across and you're, that's hitting your helmet and you're bobbling it, he's like, Diggs wanted no part of getting in front of that train. <laughs> and it's true. Diggs sure. could have got in there and broken that up fairly easily or put a good hit on it and he kind of gave him the old
1: ole well and i think that that points to dallas's greater problem was san francisco didn't run away offensively it was that the cowboy offense just didn't generate really anything in the second half um and part of it tony pollard goes out with the injury and that sort of derailed him Uh, i was listening to albert Breer today and he doesn't expect Zeke Elliott to be back with the Cowboys next year. You know, so we're looking at easier you know, said
0: than, than done. Sure. Maybe sure. What He's got left. And then you, are also going to be okay. So what, what money, what guaranteed money are you going to give to a running back that yes, over a thousand? Everyone says hitting his peak but is now going to be coming off a broken leg. So you're negotiating with a running back for his first big contract coming off a broken leg. And we saw when Dak was coming off an injury, they wanted to be all, let's say, they wanted to pussyfoot around it. And they didn't want to just... They didn't want to give him that Carson Wentz money. So they wait. Remember year. when that was the
1: milestone that when people the were one. talking about Carson Wentz money, million. like he was sting in the '90s. Yeah,
0: thirty million Carson Wentz. They don't want to give him that, so they wait. Franchise tag, blah blah. They end up giving him more than he wanted at that point. Whatever it was, a year later, and now, and I we talked about this earlier. There's all the people. You got to get rid of Dak. Got to get rid of Dak. That's Dak's last game as a cowboy. Like, what are you replacing it with?
1: Well, Right. And, and do what? I mean, even you, if you're Unless
0: you're like, literally, like, hey, we're going to get rid of Dak. We're going to try to suck for a year, see if we can get a quarterback and, you know, eat some bad contracts, get them out of the way. But Jerry's never going to do that. No. So, he's not signing up for a rebuild at any point.
1: No. And and here's the thing. And and this is a great point. uh, Once again, made by Albert uh, Brewer. I think, you know, Rich Eisen kind of couched it in. Jerry doesn't blow things up. No, you know, you you think of him as being this, you know, Arkansas oil tycoon, but he doesn't blow it up. You know, he, he adds extra years to coaches' contracts. He, you know, he kept Wade Phillips for extra years and Jason Garrett for extra years. And, Kept Dave Campbell around when he didn't necessarily need to. He's not going to make a rash decision because what's the alternative? I mean, I honestly think that if, if Jerry Jones had the chance to go get Lamar Jackson or Dak Prescott right now, he would stay Pat. And if you're going to do that, you're not going to just cut him and play Cooper Rush for a season and try to get Caleb Williams a year from now.
0: Yeah, I mean, like I said, what are you going to get? Oh, Lamar. Like, really? You're going to give up Dak and... Baltimore is going to want multiple first-round picks. For,
1: sure. You're probably talking three to four years of it.
0: Right. For a guy also coming off injury that's had some injury concerns that you're going to have to pay even more money than you're currently paying Dak Prescott.
1: Oh, it, it is not an easy move to make. I mean, as much as teams say that you know, they want to move on from their quarterback. It's like, okay, well, you know, where do you find the replacement? And the guys out there are Derek Carr, they're Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, yeah. You know, there's not that much out there. That's why I think, you know, whatever happens with Lamar Jackson is going to be fascinating because there could be a team and, you know, maybe it's the Miami dolphins decide, look, it's not Tua. We don't know what his health future is. We need to go get Lamar Jackson. We need to go get Tom Brady. We need to, you know, Aaron Rodgers' name's gonna be put out there. I, I don't see him leaving Green Bay. Um you know, there there could be some veteran movement there, but th- there just aren't better options. If you I, I paint it like this talking to a friend of mine who's a, a Giants fan with Daniel Jones, I said, you know, a week ago they were talking Daniel Jones getting 40 million a year. I said, Are you still in for that? He goes, Yeah, because what else what else do you go get? We've seen what Daniel Jones does. We've seen how he works with Dable. Dable seems to like him.
0: Yeah, free agent
1: even even if you say that he is a B quarterback, what are the chances you're gonna find another B or better quarterback right now, this year, you know, going to twenty twenty three? Yeah. Unless you have a top five pick. Yeah. High end
0: free agent quarterbacks, being free agents is not a thing. It's not the NBA where Every two years, LeBron is a free agent, and he's going (laughs) to tour and see six different teams and woo with me and woo me. That's not a thing in the NFL. High-end free agent talent doesn't really happen, mainly because of the franchise tag.
1: Well, and and we just saw the most veteran quarterback movement we've ever seen in the last two years was Matt Stafford, Russell Wilson, Matt Ryan—you know Carson Wentz is <laughs> the NFL equivalent of LeBron James. Moving every two years is Carson Wentz right now. Just every year goes to another team, and you know they end up losing first-round draft choices to get him. Uh, but you look at where Seattle is now after getting rid of Russell Wilson, and you see where Denver is and taking Russell Wilson. Um, you know these other veteran quarterbacks that have moved essentially—they're you know, leaving this wake and this dearth of draft picks behind. And the other team's looking way better, so you really got to be careful. So if you're the Dallas Cowboys, are you going to trade, you know, Dak for you know some picks, and then you're going to go take those picks and all your other ones and go all in on? I don't even know who at this point, you know, who's a sort of mid mid level guy that might even be available unless someone's trying to get out from under one of those contracts. God, could you
0: imagine Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers back together in Dallas? (laughs)
1: No, no one can imagine.
0: <laughs> remember Actually, when they you know, it, remember when they played this this season and Aaron said a couple nice things like yeah, you know, looking back wasn't bad. That was that was his like reminiscing niceness like, well, it wasn't bad."
1: Somebody said 2 years ago and he absolutely roasted him over a spit. You know, we might just stumbled on it. Who who says no to this? You are the Dallas Cowboys. You have Dak Prescott and the Denver Broncos call you They say, I look, say no. let's, let's just say no. do a quarterback swap. I say no. You know? <laughs> let's say ride.
0: No. Uh, yeah, I say no. I say no quickly.
1: All right, so the NFC Championship, 49ers traveling to Philly – I'm trying not to be a prisoner of the moment and just jump all over Philly. I mean, it seems like everyone's riding with them because of the impressive performance against the Giants last weekend. But Giants. It, it, well, it, it's hard, though, when you think about this matchup, and everyone's waiting for the Brock Purdy train to fly off the tracks. I don't want to be the one that says, like, oh, yeah, it's going to be this week because I think there's a cottage industry of people saying, this is going to be the week that Brock Purdy falls apart. This might be the week that it falls apart. I think the front seven of the Eagles playing at the link outside should be probably coldish weather. could be wet. You never know. Um, Yeah, it's the time. I mean, I just keep having flashbacks to 2017 in that Vikings team that went into the link in the NFC Championship game and just got run out of the building because that's what it looked like this past week against the Giants. Like we said, it's the Giants, but – Man, I don't know. You know, the, the Niners are a lot tougher team than that Viking team was, yeah. or, or obviously this Giants team uh, this past week. But man, I don't know. If Purdy has an outing like he did against Dallas this past weekend, I don't see them winning this game. I don't see how they could win this game with that. They think, couldn't overcome that.
0: I think he was, and he was on the Fed. We talked about. It. I think Dallas was hammering him early in that game there was a moment, I think it was towards the end of the first half, he threw one up that should have been a Diggs interception, and yep. he was gone, and Diggs dropped it. And you could see Purdy just take the big, like, yep. kind of look around, and maybe that's a sign that he is geared up and this is just destiny right now, and it's all going his way. And maybe... Like you said, it's on the verge of the wheels coming off. I think I'm very interested to see. Because I think the Philadelphia offense is very much all like gas pedal to the floor. Just go. Big shot, big shot, big run. They're not necessarily chewing. And no, there's no ball rolling
1: downhill when they're going.
0: Yeah, it's big shots to A.J. Brown. It's Hurts taking off. And I think this San Francisco defense, I'm fascinated to see kind of how they do. And this could be like the cherry on top of the D'Amico Ryan resume. As I think they said, he's got three interviews this week for head coaching jobs, which yeah, just Yeah, and like, I think he, he, he canceled a, a couple
1: last weekend.
0: I think that's a lot going into the biggest game of the year for him, but I think probably a lot of it's probably Zoom nowadays.
1: Yeah, I think most of them are, into especially now. for guys that are still in.
0: Uh, I think they could contain, and we've seen... I've seen in different games, especially when... Philadelphia struggled. If you can slow that offense down and contain them, I think you get some of those Jalen Hurts mistakes we saw a year ago. But that is asking a lot. And A.J. Brown has been ridiculous all year, and I bet the Tennessee Titans might want to still have him. Ask their GM, oh, wait, he got fired.
1: You know, Brown is, like you said, the he's the home run hitter. He's the deep ball. He's the one taking the top off the defense. And, you know, he, he's the ultimate three catches, 120 yards, two touchdowns. But, man, Devontae Smith does not get the acclaim that he deserves for being, you know, kind of an elite one. It's sort of like Waddle in, in Miami. Is You know that he's there and you know that he's a contributor, but You know, watching that Eagles team, I mean, it was Devontae Smith that was really creating havoc. Him and Dallas Goddard were, to me, the most impressive pass catchers because A.J. Brown was sort of absent in in that offense. They were running the ball well. They were doing kind of everything they wanted to. See around, he's mugging for the camera and really hooping it up, which kind of annoyed me. Did that annoy you watching that? Just, I know he's kind of a division rival head coach, but, and maybe it's. 20-plus years of watching Bill Belichick, the Stoic on the sideline, but watching Sirianni, like, chest-bumping his assistants and, you know, nodding and clapping on the sidelines and, you know, showing human emotions, something about it just kind of rubbed me raw.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, I can't say I'm completely unbiased, but I think, and that was the big thing. Remember his press conference last year? Yeah. His introductory Aw, one, and he's awkward as hell going crazy. I think that's just kind of who he is. And it's one yeah. of those like, it's great when you're winning. And if you're not, those players, God, this freaking well, guy. So you know great. what it
1: is. You, you know exactly the, the, te- and this hasn't, I haven't heard this comparison anywhere this week, but remember when Josh McDaniels went to Denver? Yeah, he's fist-pumping on the sidelines. He's running on the field. He's back-slapping. I mean, and they started out, like, I don't know, 4-0 or 5-0, and and they beat the Patriots in overtime. And, I mean, he, I just remember him fist-pumping at midfield like he was John Gruden in Super Bowl thirty seven. And then they started losing, and no one to hear it. And everyone's using those shots of him, you know, pumping his fist against the Patriots in week three. And they're going, yeah, this got old quick. The Sirianni thing, you're right, it, it seems genuine, I don't know. It just kind of. Plus, he sort of looks like a guy I work with. Nice guy, but Nick Sirani looks like a more tired version of the guy I work with, and I just can't get over it. So, um, just kind of rubs me raw. But uh, so, what do you think? What, what's what's your prediction? You, I think I'm going Eagles.
0: I think if San I want to Francisco... go Niners,
1: Niners feel like the responsible pick, but I still, this is where I'm finally going. I don't know if Purdy can get this one done.
0: I think if San Francisco wins. It's a rock fight like it was with Dallas. It's, you know, 19, fifteen to 12. Yeah, 19-13, something like that. There's despite a fumble recovery much, touchdown. Despite how much they what really were pumping up Brock Purdy on the podcast like, look at this, 35 points per game since he took over. It's like, well, let's
1: look at the teams he played. but Christian McCaffrey joined around the same time and yeah. they uh, got healthy with other weapons and
0: Right. not I'm not a Garoppolo apologist or anything, but <laughs> Christian McCaffrey kind of makes a difference. For argument's sake, I will say Niners pull off the upset. I think a cold Philadelphia might even suit San Francisco better than Philly itself. Not... I mean that- that's not true because... Against the
1: Packers. Yeah, that's you not know, true that, that's because... The argument is that the Niners are more suited for Lambeau in the cold weather than the Packers have been the last several years, so I think that's a good point.
0: Though, I mean,
1: Philadelphia
0: in Philadelphia has got probably about as much of a home field in terms of the fans, and the energy is anywhere. Yeah, I'll take the Niners by, you know, three...
1: Yeah. I think the X factor here is we talked about the health of the Eagles a week ago and they looked healthy. I mean, Jalen Hurts looked good. Lane Johnson looked outstanding. You know, all of the pieces that we worried about with that Eagles team came to play and looked great on Saturday night, but that's coming off of 14 days of rest. What about, you know, an eight day turnaround? How does that look now? Uh, I think that's kind of the X factor for the Eagles, but I'll go with the Eagles. I think it's a, it's such an even matchup that when I look at the quarterback play, I think that's what tips the scales for me. And I think the Eagles, you know, we'll, we'll call it like 20 to 16.
0: Yeah. I'll say, if you're not feeling 100% and you look up and you have a Bosa coming off the corner, <laughs> it ain't going to feel
1: much better. No, nor Fred Warner on the other corner. It, it's, it's a great front. It's a great defense. I, we ended up, I think – it was an okay divisional round, you know, just in totality. They were all sort of interesting. None of the games were really great. I loved yeah. watching uh, Buffalo-Cincinnati. It's just such a great setting with the snow and, you know, two great teams, uh, you know, Dallas and San Francisco, again, rock fight. But, you know, kind of kept on the edge of the sheet because, like, something's going to happen in this game. It always seems to with Dallas. Uh, but not really, like, overall just a, a great slate of football, but it has given us – just two great games because now we have Kansas City, Cincinnati to go along with Philadelphia and San Francisco. And I mean, again, things being equal, the pluses for the Cincinnati Bengals, they're 3-0 and in their last three against the Kansas City Chiefs, including two wins at Arrowhead, including last year's comeback to win in overtime in the AFC Championship game. And Pat Mahomes is hurt. So
0: he, looks, he says he's playing,
1: he, he practiced, he walked to the
0: podium. Yeah, he looks spry in what they showed us from practice. Uh, I'm assuming he'll be a go. Bengals aren't a huge pressure, of the quarterback team, for the most part. So, God.
1: But the Just, difference between what we saw out of Jacksonville, because that happened on the fly. So they kind of yeah. already had their game plan. Lou Anarumo, the DC of the Cincinnati Bengals, I've heard that name more this week than I have. I mean, I, I couldn't have told you all season who the DC was in Cincinnati. And now he's doing interviews on you know national podcasts this week. Um, and people are saying, why didn't Lou Anarumo get a head coaching interview? I'm like, because no one knew who he was until you know this week. And you know, he dialed up pressure against Baltimore, he dialed up pressure against Buffalo last weekend really effectively. So now the game plan is a lot of that, you know, naked boop stuff that Mahomes loves to run, it's not the threat because he's not going to take off on you. So you can kind of stay home. So I think not only the pressure that they can bring and selectively bring, but as we talk about tight ends, they held Jason Kellas the, they held uh, Travis Kelsey without a catch in the first half of their game this year and held him to like his lowest output of the season. So when you look at weapons for Pat Mahomes, I mean, that, that was a safety valve. He had about 14 catches against Jacksonville. Yep. He was, he was the offense. So I, mean, I, I don't know. I think game planning for an injured Pat Mahomes, it's not going to look as good as it did against Jacksonville last weekend. The old man. Chad
0: Henney just coming in like a rock star.
1: Uh, Huge drive. That, that was yeah. the portion of the game where it, it should have allowed Jacksonville to really get back into it, and he fought him back at the gates.
0: I just, with the year he's had, that being Kelsey, I don't know if you can slow him down two games in a row like that. Andy Reid, man, talk about just the difference when he left Philadelphia and everyone was pooping on him, poo-pooing him, you can't win the big one, overrated, all this stuff, ends up going to Kansas City and completely kind of flips the script a little bit. And they say no one can kind of draw someone open better than Andy Reid. And I'm sure they'll have, much like a lot of the top-end teams that know they're going to be in there, they have some looks that they probably haven't broken out the entire season. And this is incredibly hard because, God, I love Joe Burrow, and he just finds a freaking way to win and we talked about it this week, you and I, that I think that game against Buffalo just fully solidified the Joe Burrow is number two, probably right behind Mahomes and ahead of Josh Allen and Hebert, Herbert. All of all those guys are now kind of behind him. I think it has the, all the makings of a great game. And they say it's hard to beat a team three times in a row. I think it's hard to beat a team as good as Kansas City four times. So I'll take the Chiefs.
1: Yeah, the whole three times in a row thing. I think. Uh, what, what do we say? It's they're they're twenty and fourteen. You know, uh, when they eventually play in the playoffs. I think it's all well and good. Joe Burrow, you're right, is a big-game quarterback. He went into Arrowhead last year, got a win. He went into Buffalo in a snowstorm and got a win. Can they go into Kansas City one more time? I'm concerned with the high ankle sprain. I think it limits Mahomes' mobility. And he's a guy who loves to freelance and get outside the pocket and move around and, you know, pitch it underhand and throw submarine and and all these things. And, And he beats you with angles. Mahomes gets out of the pocket, and he throws across his body and and, and fits the ball in places that other quarterbacks just can't get it. Uh, usually to a wide-open Travis Kelsey streaking down the field. Can he do that against Cincinnati if he can't move? Can he do all that from the pocket? Can he improvise? Can he switch arm angles? Can he you know, find those open receivers? It's going to be fascinating to watch because Cincinnati, you know, they, they can dial up pressure, but they also have good edge rushers because if they can set the edge, keep Pacheco inside, keep Mahomes inside – I mean, obviously, Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson, um, you, know, you know, they set the edge as good as anybody in the league. It's going to be that secondary. Can they stick with those receivers long enough and not let Mahomes just pick them apart from the middle of the pocket? I don't know. I mean, you look at Cincinnati's offense, too. I mean, you you, you got Joe Cool out there with – I mean, look at it unit by unit, and Cincinnati's receivers are a lot better than Kansas City. Tight yeah. end it's not even close, but you know Hayden Hurst is a fine tight end. He's okay. I mean, he's playing the CJ Uzama role from a year ago. Can the offensive line – I think this is what it boils down to is, can the offensive line of Cincinnati, which everyone – you know, talk about poo-pooing – was killing that unit last week. There were down three starters of a yeah. unit that wasn't even that good to start with, and they kind of pitch a shutout against the Buffalo Bills and make Leslie Frazier's defensive front look more futile than – well, yeah, I can't think of what they're more futile than. I wish I had a really good comparison right there, but they, they, they looked awful. Um, but can they do that against Frank Clark and Chris Jones this week? That's going to be the true test: is that they can keep those two off of Joe Burrow and, and give him a clean pocket and give him time. If he has time, I think he he can shred this Kansas City defense. But if he doesn't, then I think we got a ball game. My prediction. I think Cincinnati does it again. I think we're we're witnessing you know kind of the takeoff of a young quarterback and the arguments of you know, it was Joe Burrow the guy in this class you know is I think we talked about you know via text message is Pat Mahomes the new kind of Peyton Manning statistical standard and Joe Burrow is the you know kind of Tom Brady where he's going to get the rings he's going to get the wins and in a big game you would kind of rather have him for a full season of stats fantasy football you want Pat Mahomes. I don't know, there's so many sort of narratives on the line in this game to watch out for that it's kind of more interesting to me in a way that if Cincinnati goes to back-to-back Super Bowls with a the chance to win one. What how, What is the conversation we'd be having about Kansas City next week if they don't win this game? It would definitely flip. And it would probably start leaning back towards that narrative of – uh, Andy Reid struggles in the big games. Well, they've only won one. I mean, in this dominant stretch where they've made five consecutive AFC championship games, they've only, you know, would have gone to the Super Bowl twice. They've only won one. You know, are they wasting Pat Mahomes' prime? You know, I mean, we would see everything from are they wasting this generational talent to should Pat Mahomes request a trade to go to a team where he can win? You know, I mean, we would see the gambit. Andy right. I think some of that talk of Andy Reid would... uh would intensify of, well, yeah, but he's only won one. Right now, they're dominant. But you start casting that bright light on it of, yeah, but should they have won more than they have? Yeah. That, to me, is is a fascinating narrative. Though, Philadelphia versus Kansas City, Andy Reid versus his former team, the Kelseys going against each other, the first time brothers would have played each other in a Super Bowl. There's some kind of fun narratives with that one. Cincinnati, Philadelphia. I mean, that's like a that's like a fever. That, that's what they put together in a, a football movie where they don't totally know the teams, and they're like, "Yeah, you know, the big game between Philadelphia and Cincinnati." You are like, these uniforms have never been on the same field at the same time, right? Uh... Niners, Bengals that played two Super Bowls in the eighties. That'd be kind of a fun throwback. So. I don't know. Uh, So I'm going to say it's Cincinnati and and Philadelphia, and it's just going to be a really weird-looking game. And I had what, San Francisco and Kansas City. The Red Bowl again, rematch of Super Bowl 54. So
0: do we want to quickly hit on perhaps the biggest winner of the weekend? Yeah. The Indianapolis Colts for perhaps at least having another team in conversation for the dumbest play in NFL history given
1: Dude, what, like I mean, what was that I mean you it's a the one fact per- that it was the end of the game
0: yeah I mean it's a one percent chance probably either way and you could tell Zeke's snapping looked like a nice crisp snap right on point. It, it,
1: it was a good snap and and you could tell a they guy, showed up
0: even I'll give him that was a good snap they you could tell they showed him okay. One step, two step, arms up. They didn't teach him the hands. The hands got a little wide, and they did not prepare him for the bull rush of a linebacker straight at I, I him.
1: Think, I, I think Zeke was ready for the chop club. The way he was holding his hands was he was ready for like, like a rip or yeah. maybe a, like a push-pull. I think he was playing the push-pull. Uh, he didn't know that uh, he was going to catch the ball rush there it, and uh, it looked... get knocked out like Zoltek and Little Giants.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say it looked like Spike <laughs> running over the entire Little Giants.
1: Oh, okay. I, I laughed out loud during that play. M- M- I, I'm just cracking up watching Z get killed. And then not only that, they complete the pass to Turpin, who is their you know, kick returner. Did he play, what, XFL, USFL? Um, I think he was Canada. <laughs> and, then he, and then he got obliterated. Like, everyone yeah. around Dak, it was just carnage. Conf- <laughs> trying to freaking
0: outthink it instead of like, hey, let's throw one to the end zone. Who knows? Maybe Dak just didn't feel like he could get it that far. Which... <laughs> Would have been a heck of a lot easier if Schultz hadn't completely nonchalantly
1: not catch that ball.
0: Uh, okay, so everyone's
1: all over Dalton Schultz. I mean, how long was that completion? You know, the, the one where he, he only got one foot in bounds, could yeah, have got 20 yards. In. Yeah, it's like 20 yards. I've heard people call it as, as much as 30 this week, and people had blamed him for the loss. I was like, if he caught that ball in bounds, it was going to be the line of scrimmage I think would have been the 45. So, yeah, you would have had a Hail Mary, but you're still talking like a 55 to 60-yard heave right. from Dak Prescott to even get it near the goal line. So, so at least we could have got it to the goal line. Yes, you would have had the opportunity for a Hail Mary. I, I get, But people have been hammering Dalton Schultz. And, yeah, it's a little boneheaded, but okay. I mean, you're kind of splitting hairs. Uh, yeah, just throw it to the end zone, see what happens.
0: I mean, chances are nothing because that is the one play where as a defender, you can just absolutely maul the receiver and they're not oh, going to call can a kill pass them.
1: interference. Uh, Super Bowl 52 ended in a Hail Mary, and there were two Eagles, and I'm, I mean, they assaulted Rob Gronkowski. And even on the deflection was going to Danny Amendola – and someone had him in just an absolute bulldog to the ground. I'm like, wait. Like, I know we don't call it on this play, but, I mean, I think someone knifed Gronk. Uh, like, he, hackashack thought this was too much. Yeah. Uh,
0: before we wrap up, we wanted to have a little fun, as it is Royal Rumble weekend for you wrestling fans, Royal Rumble weekend. So we had a couple of things we wanted to do. First, 30 quarterback, Royal Rumble, who's winning, and who are the two starters <laughs> that don't get invited?
1: Okay, let's start with the two starters that don't get invited because I, I think I'm almost more interested in that than who would win overall. Um trying to think. All right, so so who doesn't get invited? I, I mean
0: one, whoever is starting for the Indianapolis Colts, Matt Ryan. Let's, say, let, let's say
1: that let's say that they're yeah okay. If their representative is Matt Ryan, he might not get invited.
0: If it was anybody else, they're not getting invited.
1: David, I don't know. Sam Ellinger, at least younger. Um, <laughs> can zach wilson be it zach wilson has to be in it exactly he is not the answer to this question
0: because he is the heel oh he's a heel. comes in everyone boos all the other guys turn around look at him and team up to throw him out in five seconds
1: yes has to be in yes there. yes uh so he's he's in so, but so he, there's a representation. It takes like Mike White out, it takes Joe Falacco out. Um, okay, so here's what I'm going to take out, and, and this is gonna I know this is kind of for fun, but you know, sort of a serious take. Uh, I don't want Tua in, Tua can't be in the Rumble, fear of injury, uh, fear of injury. Like Shawn Michaels lost his smile, like to Tua can't be in the Rumble. Uh, so so there's one of Kong, one of two. Um, there's so many young quarterbacks. I don't totally know the personality of somewhere. I'm like, yeah, you know, like when you talk about a heel, I mean, hardly wanted to say Mac Jones can't be in it, but talk about a heel. I mean, he might, might be Cleeton people. I mean, I he'd be the one that would just roll, go over to a group of people and just toss them all.
0: I think we, I think it's Tua and it's Matt Ryan. Those are the okay. two that aren't in it.
1: Davis Mills is, would be the guy who comes into the Rumble and you kind of go, wait, who? Like, is he on NXT? Uh, Is that Barry Horowitz? Like, no one's really sure what Davis Mills looks like. Like, is that one of the Glennons? He's Maven. (laughs) Uh, He gets like a... He he turns Dak Prescott out, and everyone's like, ah!
0: Deep cut right there. Uh, Then you get into the actual match itself. I think Dak Prescott has, like... Seven eliminations, and then slips on the top turnbuckle, eliminating himself.
1: Uh. Yeah, no, Dak is the guy who tries to skin the cat like Shawn Michaels, and his hand slips, and he just falls out. And you're like, wait, is he out? And he just turns himself in. Uh, I don't see Dak with a lot of eliminations. He seems like a, a prime candidate for someone who's going to lay in a corner and just take some forearms. How dare you? you? Know, m- maybe ha- he'll have like the two legs propped up in the corner. You know, and someone's like, just really working on him.
0: How dare
1: you? <laughs> um. All right. Daniel, so, D- Dan- Daniel Jones, I don't see uh, in a lot of fisticuffs.
0: Let's, okay, let's skip towards the end. Okay. Or to the, who's there at the end? I think Josh Allen. Probably there.
1: I think Brady's there being sneaky, yep. getting guys to do the work for him. Probably also had, like, number 25, so he came in late. Like, there's no uh, way that Brady wasn't getting, like, the Hogan number where he always came in at, like, 24, 25. Uh, yeah, so Brady's coming in late, so he's Brady's in the final four. Yeah. So I'm saying Brady, Josh Allen. Uh, I think J- uh, Jalen Hurts might be there. Yeah, you know, with the with the squats,
0: Herbert It's Herbert. He might be too tall. Heavy.
1: I think he, I, I think he's he's the uh, the I'm trying to think of a good comparison like the tall guy who's like oh he's six ten and it just takes a clothesline lands on his feet and like well, he's out.
0: I'm trying to think of who there's no. I, mean, I think
1: I, I feel like Burrow would be kind of in it, but at the same time. Seemed a little like an early '90s Sean Michaels.
0: I know we're missing like so. a Lorenzen, who's about three hundred
1: bills. <laughs> I mean, like Ben Roethlisberger would have been a great one, but again, I feel like a top-heavy one that he's not spending forty-five minutes in it. So if Ben doesn't get a a, a number in the second half, like he's going out early. I think Joe Burrow's got to be in there. Burrow's going to be in there. I don't think we know enough about Kenny Pickett. Lamar would eliminate himself because he has diarrhea uh deshaun watson he's a heel (laughs) i think he's another one that like you know whoever the equivalent of the undertaker is just like singles him out and eliminates him immediately he gets the warlord treatment i feel
0: like in that situation tim tebow comes out of nowhere jumps the railing and eliminates deshaun watson
1: Yes, just pulls him out Yeah, with uh, Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. If we're booking this, Baker Mayfield eliminates Deshaun Watson. Um, Mayfield qualifies
0: as a starter. He would be in this room.
1: Sam Darnold eliminates himself, claims it's a ghost.
0: I feel like you've marked half the quarterbacks for eliminating themselves.
1: Uh, there's a lot of guys that self-sabotage. I'm just <laughs> Kirk Cousins, I think, would would draw number one and would be there in, like, the top five and would be eliminated. Um, Who would win? I mean, like, the the name that jumps out is Josh Allen. But he's also a guy that I could see, like, running the clothesline somewhere and they pull the old, like, they just pull the rope down and he goes flying over inexplicably. I could see...
0: Josh Allen thinking he won. Then we hmm. realize Joe Burrow wasn't actually eliminated. He went yep. under the bottom rope. He comes well, in, nine, throws a 5 HPK. Joe Burrow wins, smokes a cigar in the arena. Just as cool as can be.
1: I just love thinking about Russell Wilson in, a, in the. <laughs>
0: Feel like there's more
1: heels than faces in this rumble. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of heels, just a lot of like Russell. Russell Wilson's the guy that would try to like think he had created like an alliance, and then someone just turns on it. Like like Kirk Cousins just turns on him and eliminates him, or or Mac Jones just chucks him out. He tries to create a partnership with Geno Smith.
0: Yeah, he's believing it, yes. and then Gino just toss him over, and the crowd goes wild.
1: He's like, "All right, West Coast quarterbacks," and then they just they dump him.
0: Ugh.
1: Notice we haven't mentioned Pat Mahomes once in this. I really, I think he's one that he might be the baby face the fans don't like. Yeah, maybe it's, maybe it's the haircut that makes me think he's Rocky Maivia, but
0: he's like later years John Cena. Yes, when you know he's not going to win. He's there to set up the WrestleMania match.
1: But then you think he might win and you're like, ah, oh, no, I, okay. I really don't want him to
0: like, he'll have a nice long run and then out of nowhere, someone underhandedly eliminates him and they're like, Oh, that's who he's going to fight at WrestleMania.
1: They're like, Oh, I'm setting up a feud with Justin Herbert again.
0: <laughs> just keep trying to force feed this Herbert guy. Oh, our God, we, we,
1: we keep seeing Herbert Mahomes twice a year and all the big pay-per-views and it's always in prime time. Yeah, that's a uh, that, that's a good one. Oh, fun am, to think of. fun, fun to think of the uh, the quarterback Royal Rumble.
0: Herbert growing just this real dark beard and going heal Roman Reigns.
1: I could see Derek Carr doing that, like disappearing, get signed by the Saints, and then just like pops up in next year's. You're right with like a beard. A Mohawk or something. And they're like, oh, my God, it's Derek Carr. Just attacked Jarrett Stidham out of nowhere.
0: Uh, all right. Uh, real Royal Rumble this weekend. Always fun. Sterling and I have been
1: to a Royal Rumble. Is it 2010? 2011? Somewhere around there. It it was the, it was It was the worst Royal Rumble of all time. Like I've I've watched that match back. It was the only one with forty people in it. Yes, but and it is, it's a tough watch. And it was not entered
0: like looking no. back, not. But in terms of the people we got to see, sure, we got to see the Diesel return. Yep, that was the highlight T for me. Was, my night was he made. Was back all the time.
1: Yep, CM Punk. I mean, it, it is interesting to look at like. You know, Bray Wyatt was in it as Husky Harris, and some of those early NXT guys were in it as, you know, previous names. But uh, yeah, not the greatest, but love the love the rumbles. Um I mean, does Cody just win it? It feels like that's what it is. Like he's gotta jump into the that's title almost, picture somehow. Right. But and, I
0: almost think that's too it's too obv at this point.
1: True. I think and I think if Vince out, were still running the show, Cody just wins.
0: I think it came out that The Rock wasn't going to be wrestling Roman Reigns. And the rumor is they want Roman to fight twice to separate the titles mm. at WrestleMania. So he would wrestle once Saturday and once Sunday. You want to get the fans to turn on. You have Roman headline two nights of WrestleMania. I think <laughs> the the underdog undershot to win the Rumble. And the way it's set up, Sami
1: Zayn. You know, so I've seen the, the idea. So the Elimination Chamber is the only pay per view between Rumble and Mania, and that's in Montreal. First time they've had a pay per view in Montreal in like 20 years. It's only the second one since the screwdriver in 97. Um, and, and I've heard, you know, that they're setting up some kind of essentially where either Kevin Owens or Sami Zayn, or maybe it's the two of them, are the main event i mean they're they're both from maryville which is just outside of montreal uh so yeah so i've seen some yeah, rumblings of like they're going to do something there whether it's a tag match or it's a main event against each other or yeah they they could be we'll know a lot more after this weekend of the whole Sami Zayn thing does he win it i mean that's interesting that that's a, a wild idea he just goes out and Wins the rumble and really they and feed into coming. this
0: whole thing they got going with the bloodline and which has been the best part of the TV show for the most part for yeah a long time.
1: No, got- they they turned it around on because for a while it's like because I've always liked Roman, but at the same time I hated just everything they did. I'm like, okay, I get the the animosity because it's just not fun to watch. But yeah, they, it, it's probably the best thing that they have going right now. So. I, you know, I don't want to see it split up for the most part. I mean, you can do the the Zayn thing has been great, but um, God, I don't know. It, it, it'll be fascinating to see how they plug Cody into this because part of me just says, yeah, they'll just have Cody win. If not, not to go obvious, they'll have him win the Elimination Chamber or something to to get right. into a title match. I think
0: that's more with Triple H at the uh, at the helm. I don't think he wants to go super obvious. Everyone assumes Cody's going to win, and he wins.
1: Right, right. Yeah, it, it's hard to think of you know anyone else that's going to be in the match that could step up into that area. You know, unless it's, you know, I, don't, I just wanted to be like McIntyre or you know, and, and who knows? It could, it could be Seth Rollins one night. It could be Cody Rhodes one night. You make you right like this triangle of. Yeah, Romans taking on both of them and they'll both be they'll all be good and they'll all feel high profile. So yeah, you know, maybe it's like a Seth Rollins. Yeah. I'm
0: gonna go I'm gonna go with my pick. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with that underdog pick. I'm gonna say Sami Zayn wins the Royal Rumble.
1: I'm gonna go boring and say that people are are gonna trick themselves into they're not just gonna have Cody win it and then Cody just wins it. Because I don't think anyone would really be upset with Cody winning and that being his return. Though I hate that they put out like the video, like oh, returning at the Royal Rumble, Cody. It's like, ah, just give us that moment where his music hit. even if we sort of know it's coming, just give us the moment where his music hits and the crowd pops, and you know, I'm sure
0: that's, it's still my, will.
1: that's my favorite part is the surprises at the Royal Rumble.
0: I'm sure it still will. All right, guys, that just about wraps up this episode. We'll be back next week, kind of talking about what happened in the championship games week after we'll kind of obviously look at the Super Bowl more closely then after that we'll talk about the Super Bowl <laughs> week after that and then you know we're going to have some fun after that i think there we'll start looking at probably you know Patriots off season Cowboys off season but then XFL freaking wrestling who knows we're going to we're going to start having some some meetings here soon.
1: To that little giants watch along we've been teasing for a while. Yeah. <laughs> the deep dive into Little Giants, the rewatchables on Little Giants
0: is coming. We're Those gonna break it down.
1: Hunt. You gotta give them what they need.
0: Make sure you check out Sterling's columns on the Facebook page. What is it? New sports order on Facebook. You can find it. He's got stuff up even though the Patriots are done looking at the championship games all that stuff he'll have stuff going into the offseason and around draft time so plenty more still yeah, to
1: well, come I'll have previews up for uh, conference championship weekend I'll do a big Super Bowl deep dive before the game I'll do and then probably a recap after and then yeah I mean the new league year starts in mid-March so I'll start a three-part Patriot for agency preview uh with the guys that are gonna leave, the guys that might stay and the guys that you know kind of on the fence about uh so we'll start that coming up end of February, and we'll roll right into the new league year and then it's all draft prep so uh yeah it's it's a twelve month league Tom,
0: yeah, but we're we're definitely gonna have some fun and get a little outside the box in the off season or at least that's the plan. Uh, make sure you are like I said, following the Facebook page, new sports order, check out. All the other podcasts, uh, Uncommon Deeds, No Fouls. The Tom Brennan episode just went up for No Fouls. Check it out. Great episode. He was super excited, told some great stories. For those listening who maybe are big Sterling fans from Maine, He uh, he was the coach of UVM for 19 years, including when they went to the tournament and beat Syracuse. Great stories. Has an unbelievable radio voice. It's got, it's got some Dickie V vibe to it. And it's, it's just fun to listen to. So that's up now. And we'll be back next week. This has been a production of Uncommon Media.